You are listening to the Empower with Ash Presents Survivor to Thriver podcast. My name is Ashley Turner and I have gone from a struggling single mother and domestic violence survivor who endured eight out of the 11 types of domestic abuse to an award-winning professional podcast host, chief empowerment officer and ebook author who is now continuing to become a Survivor to Thriver. For those that do not know what Empower stands for, it is Embrace Vulnerability, Motivation Starts With You, Passionate Purpose, Overcome Insecurities and Fears, Warrior Mindset, Escape the Story and Reflect, Recognize, Reset and Re-Engage. All podcast episodes support one or many of these principles through empowerment topics presented by myself or a story from a Survivor to Thriver guest. Now let's start empowering you to thrive. Welcome back to Empower with Ash, the Survivor to Thriver podcast. This month is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. You all know that I absolutely love sharing intimate and deep stories throughout all of this and I'm very lucky as I was talking to my guest before Sally to say that every single guest for this month has popped the cherry with sharing their story and their podcast so it just makes me feel so good and grateful that people trust to come on here to share their story so firstly Sally welcome and thank you for coming thanks so much for having me Ash We were just saying that we're in similar industries in the mining and sort of resource sector. I'm very much a cat yellow blood and lucky Sally is too or would have a rivalry on our heads with connecting this cat. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, Sally's up in Townsville. I'm in Brisbane. I've been to Townsville a fair few times uh, for work and stuff. Is it still like really dry and red? That was the last time when I was there. We've had a little bit of rain recently, so it greens it up for a little bit and then it goes back to the old Brownsville. Yeah. yeah it, it's a little bit like in between like a Darwin, Cairns versus Brisbane weather, if that makes sense. Like it has its moments, yeah. but it's not too bad like Cairns and Darwin, like the humidity and stuff. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's still hot at the moment. It's still hot. <laughs> So we today we're going to be uh, talking about Sally's domestic violence experience. And as I said, this is her first time sort of um, coming on a podcast sharing about it, but she does openly talk about it in her sort of personal life as well, which I love. But my first question for you is why did you want to come on this podcast to share your story today? So it's been three years now nearly to the day but um for a long time I've been wanting to get do something and be able to share my story somehow I think it's more like a healing thing um, for myself to be able to get out and I tell people my story not for sympathy I do it um for people to relate um people to understand what actually domestic violence is and get a raw first-hand explanation of it and the amount of people that I've told my story to and then they've been able to um, tell me their story of either themselves someone that they know um, or just ask questions about it and I have a raw and honest opinion about it so yeah that's more just getting it out there and doing it for myself finding my voice back get my voice back I love that and is as a fellow survivor as well it's one of the biggest 
And probably the hardest obstacles is to start talking about it because then that's your reality check that it's actually happened. Um, Yes. And I love what you said is talking about it will help you heal. Hence why I did this podcast. I did it as a self-centered act to heal myself, to talk about it, and it's helped others along the way, which is just a bonus. So I'm so excited to – I sound bad when I say that. I'm so excited to hear your story. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Let's get straight into it then. So we are just talking about, you know, the main – sort of things that happen in domestic violence experience. Some things, we swear that these guys, and unfortunately it's guys that's happened to us, we know that it happens to guys as well, have a little bit of a code. It's like they have a little Facebook community um, and they all just give each other sort of tips and stuff. So can you tell us about your domestic violence experience that you endured? Yeah, so um, I was with my previous partner for two years. I endured basically everything in their little handbook that they get handed to it seems like um so physical mentally sexually financially um and I think people always say that the physical side of things is the worst thing and you don't want to be abused physically but I think the mental side of things is one of the hardest things because it sticks with you forever and it um takes a lot away from you and Um, and it kind of lives with you the bruises and whatever go away so I think that was um, probably the hardest thing Um, and definitely I was only 19 oh that sounds like that song Um, but yeah I was only 19 when it started so um, basically I'm not a medical don't know much about it but around 19 to, to in your 20s is when females brains develop so during my relationship and during all that abuse is when my brain was developing. So it's taken a lot afterwards to try and rewire my brain and learn different ways instead of that's all I know and that's how my brain's developed. So that was probably a lot of the toughest thing dealing with my brain. <laughs> yeah. Unfucking your brain is my technique yes. term for it. And it's, I love that. It's... <laughs> It is fucking hard. And every single person I've had on here yeah. to share this story have all said the mental and emotional abuse has been far worse to recover from yes. than the actual physical. So you're not alone yeah. when it comes to that. Yeah. 100%. Yes. So with, with that, for those that aren't aware of this type of abuse or for those listening that may be in a relationship what were the types of mental and emotional things that he was doing to you to manipulate you and gaslight you and all of that, to just give people an understanding of that? Yeah, so with the mental side of things, um, within the first month or two, it was just full love bombing. Like I was um, just smitten. I just thought, oh, my God, this bloke, he's going to be my forever Um he absolutely adores me when he was around my family he was showing me affection and telling me how beautiful I am and oh I love you and um just like everything that a girl could want and so then you get used to that within the first month or two and then after that it was just a gradual slow thing of um the they start saying like oh you shouldn't wear that you shouldn't say those things. You shouldn't be friends with this person. You can't spend as much time at this place. And 
you shouldn't be on Facebook and you shouldn't do this. And I think, um, and because you think, oh, well, this guy loves me so much and I've been in situationships before that haven't worked out, I have to change to be that better person. I have to um, do these things because that's how I'm going to keep this relationship and keep him happy. And um, that's what I've been missing for so long is I've been wearing the wrong clothes. I've been saying the wrong clothes. I've been wearing the wrong clothes. I've been hanging out with the wrong people. And so your brain starts to go, oh, well, that's what's gone wrong. This is what I need to do to change. I relate to every single thing that you just said. That's why I was yeah. sitting there like, mm-hmm, I've heard all of this. Yeah. It's like a broken yeah. record. So yeah. that happened pretty early on. And as I've sort of learned over yeah. my healing sort of journey, I've been four years free, I think, this month, which is so exciting. Um, yeah, that's awesome. And one of the biggest things I have learned over the years is never date anyone until after four months because that's when their masks actually start coming off, the true colours. You can't be this fake Prince Charming forever and a day. So it's one of those when I ever start dating again, if I ever, because I'm like, (laughs) don't want to, I will not date until after that. Because so many women have said they get you in the first fucking three months and then literally a month after that, they're like, wait a minute, like you've changed. Yeah. And you get so caught up in it and you're like, well, I know that I can get back to that better better couple of months. Like it's just we're going through a rough patch or something. So it's going to go back to the better side. So we'll just I'll keep doing what he wants me to do because we'll go back to that happy side. And two years later <laughs> and so much more afterwards, it doesn't get any better. It gets worse. Yeah. So what were those initial red flags at the start that you ignored? Because we all ignore them. And there's yeah. that <laughs> quote that says that first red flag that makes your gut go, mm, is the reason mm. why you end up breaking up. And when I look back at mine, I was like, oh, my Lord. My God. That was the first thing that I ignored. Just, just, oh, I don't know, the bad energy and stuff. What were the red flags that you ignored at the start now that you're like holy shit why did I do this yeah yeah so the first weekend that we spent together was fine obviously and then um he come home a week later and he told me that I had we hadn't even been dating like we just literally got together the weekend before and he got home on the Friday told me that after work I should come to his house um went to his house and because he wanted to go out and meet my family and we had to drive together to go and meet my family. So we'd driven out there and then I planned to stay with him for the weekend. So I got my clothes, packed them up and we went back to his house. I got home from work on the Monday afternoon and he had packed all my clothes and bought, my, bought me a chest of drawers in the bedroom, packed all my clothes in there and that was it. We moved in. Like that is the biggest red flag. I just think now I'm like, and at the time I was like, oh, my God, he loves me so much. He wants me to live with him and oh, and all this. So and then from then on I didn't leave that little jail cell for two years. Like that's where I lived and I hadn't even moved out of my old room at my parents' house. It was all still set up. I'd just taken a couple of clothes over and they were all packed in there and we lived together from then onwards. That's the biggest red flag. I don't know 
I just was so blinded by it and just thought, oh, this is amazing. And you know what I love about this is that this is going to be love bombing is going to be the first episode that I release literally for Domestic Violence Month because people are just not yeah. aware of the signs and they think yeah. they're being Prince Charming and you're like, no, wait for but so I bet you all of this will sort of disappear kind of thing. That's exactly right. So I yeah. love that you've shared that because that is a bloody yeah. red flag is when they want yeah. to, I guess, make you feel like they're trying to be fully committed and want to yeah. show you by trying to live in your pocket or move in really quickly or want labels really quickly. Yeah. That's a red flag. It's yeah. like, why are you trying so hard? What am I missing here? What are you trying to, you know, prove? That's right. And especially because I'm so family orientated and the first weekend he wanted to meet my family and I was like, wow, this is awesome. <laughs> like, yeah. So he went out and met my mum and my brother and yeah, and he was the most perfect thing. And yeah. Did crazy. your family and friends, because I always say this as advice now, ask your friends and family their honest opinion on your partner because they'll tell you if they don't like them or not. Um, And my family hated mine from the beginning, hated him. They're like, he's the fucking devil. I don't know what you've seen him. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And and my friends hated him. What about your family and friends? Do they love him or hate him Um, at the start? I wouldn't say they loved him, but I wouldn't say they hated him. They had an idea that there was just something off about it. And I think the worst thing is... um, my older brother, we're close in age and we have the same friends group and stuff. And he had multiple people message him and say, get Sally out of that relationship. Like it's going to end up bad. And he pulled me aside and told me about it. And I was like, oh, they're just trying to make me unhappy. And they were just trying to ruin things. And He's so perfect. And yeah, yeah so mum and dad, yeah, they were didn't love him but didn't hate him but just knew that there was something there like within the first couple of weeks my mum said to me if he ever hits you you need to leave like mum wouldn't say that to a good bloke wow. <laughs> like and I look back at that now and I'm like wow she knew something like she had some gut feeling that Mother- it was going to go bad like even when my mum first met him and that would probably be a year because they were in different sort of states she came in and I remember her just saying, she looked at me and said, are you dealing with this? And I just went, because that's when I was figuring out what was really going on. And I said, yeah. trust me, I'm handling it. And then she yes. went, okay, then that's all she said to me. She's like, I know you fucking know something's wrong, but she didn't want to ask. She just went, you need to handle this kind of thing. And then yeah. once I, um, and not even probably, Less than six months later, that's when I moved over to Brisbane, got a promotion, did all that. I said, I've got shit yeah. in the pipeline to escape, but he's a psycho. I've got to do it carefully kind of thing. So that's right. interfere, mum, because you can make it worse. Because um, yes. she would bury his body tomorrow kind of thing. She was just like, I don't like him. <laughs> but I'm like, let me deal with this, please. Yeah. My mum was exactly the same, but my mum didn't understand that if she did interfere, it could make it worse. So like my mum and I are best friends and every morning on our drive to work, we would call each other. So she would be able to pick up on whether I was happy, whether I was not. 
what, what was going on. And she would ask questions and I would get angry because I knew that she was getting close to what was going on. Yeah. And then we would fight and, like, she was just so angry. She just wanted me to leave straight away. Like, she was yeah. so worried, which is understandable, but it was just so hard to try to explain to her, I can't leave right now. Like, I need to be safe, blah, blah, blah. So, and my ex, he um, didn't like that we were so close because my mum was picking up on things. And so he would only allow me to see my mum like certain times and I would have to tell him who was there and what we talked about and stuff like that because he, he knew that she was closing in on it. Yeah. Oh, my God. I swear we've all dated the bloody same person. I've the same person. So yeah. because you were so consumed in that sort of toxic love without even realising it, when did you start picking up that something was wrong? I don't really remember. <laughs> I don't really think, I think I knew, um, but I just thought that it was going to get better. Or I actually got to a stage that I was just so young, um, so naive and everything that I just thought this is it, this is my life now. Like I'm not going to get a chance to leave. Oh, wow. Like I sat day and I just thought I'm going to marry this bloke this is just my life and I've got to accept it because there's no way of getting out of this. Like I'm just going to have to do everything that he wants me to do, do everything, say everything that he wants me to say and just accept that this is my life. And um, like, so I knew it was bad, like, but I just had accepted that this was it. And I didn't have an escape plan because I wasn't planning on leaving. And um, I just accepted that that was my life, which is really sad, but that's the reality of it. Yeah. And you hear it all the time, though, when heaps of women are so scared to leave because they're more fearful of being alone and starting from scratch than what situation they're in. And then those, I've had some women contact me to say, no, I've listened to you, Ashley. You've put a fire up my ass. I went, no, don't settle kind of thing. They have left and they said it was fucking terrifying, but they're like, I am just living life now. Like, I feel like I got my soul back and I'm like, yes, like, don't sacrifice your soul and your happiness for that horrible person. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I was going to say something, but um, I think also um, I was so, my pride was trying to prove to everyone that he was a better person because there was obviously a lot of speculations of who he was before we were together and I was going to change this man into the most amazing man. And I could see his good side, no matter what, like he had a good side and stuff and he, yeah, I won't go on about how great he's not, but um, he had a good side and he had potential and I thought that I was going to change change him and I I wanted to prove to people that it wasn't bad and I think it was if I left it was embarrassing and shameful that I went into this when I was kind of told not to Mm -hmm. so I wanted to kind of stay and just prove to them I'm like eventually this is going to change and I'm going to be able to go fuck you everyone I told you this is good um but yeah it eventually and I was very embarrassed afterwards and shameful and then afterwards a bit afterwards I was like you know what fuck it uh, I'm just going to own this. I'm not the person in the wrong. Yeah, I accepted it, um, but he's the one that done it. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. 
So because yeah. you didn't realise what was going on, how did you escape that relationship then? So I basically had um, our anniversary, obviously, was the time that we went away for that weekend um, down, yeah. And um, we were planning on every two years we go away to this certain event um, for two weeks and that's where we first met. The next year we did it and then must be the next year. Anyways, um, so we were planning on doing that. A few events had happened um, before that. He'd crashed his car somehow and so we didn't have the car to go down there except my car, but he didn't want to do that because I have personalised number plates and obviously his little girlfriends that he had down there would see that he's driving around in his actual girlfriend's car. Mm -hmm. um, so he wanted to hire a car and we didn't have the money to do so. And then one night in the middle, oh, he told me to go and stay at my mum's for the night, which I did. And um, in the middle of the night, probably about two o'clock in the morning, he met message and said had a car and left on his own. And he wanted me to fly down a couple of days later. And I just put the brakes on and I woke up that morning and I said to mum. Quick empowerment break. As a DV survivor to Thriver, I have a new free ebook available to you all to help you with healing and escaping domestic violence and giving you the tips and tools on how I've used my domestic violence experience to fire in my belly instead of letting it control me or destroy me. So grab your free copy today at www.empowerwithash.com slash freebies. Now let's get back to the podcast episode. This is it, like two weeks while he's away to get the fuck out. And so I went home that day um, to our house. I packed up two years of living in there within 12 hours. My little brother come over, packed it all in his ute and I moved home. And that was it. Oh, well, it wasn't, that wasn't it because then he'd come home and that's another story. But, um, yeah, so I had two weeks to get out and I think that two weeks while he was away, I got back with my family, back in that family environment, hanging out with some old friends and just realised the support I had around me um, was amazing. And I was like, I can do this. Um, but I knew that when he got home, that's when the shit was going to start because he didn't really believe me that I'd left him. I'd told him we weren't really talking while he was down there. Um, he didn't really believe that I'd left. And so I was like, I'm just going to let it go for now. And then, yeah, when he come home and walked into the house and all my stuff was gone, he realised that I was actually leaving and that's when the shit fight started. And, yeah, but, yeah, I had two weeks to get out and I did. <laughs> I'm so, I'm so happy for you. Like, I'm so proud that you went and did it because I remember I was in a, a sort of similar situation where got into a big argument. I, I like you, I don't remember much because of all the trauma and sort of blackout, yeah. but we'll get to side effects in about a minute. Yeah. But, um, and I reckon it was like a, a couple of days before the removalists were coming for me to go to Brisbane because I never told him that I got this job and I was moving. And you could, yep. that's that same reaction. Like he didn't believe it until he seen there was fucking trucks there packing up all my shit. <laughs> this. Yep. this bitch is for real. Yes, this bitch is for real. I'm getting on a plane yeah. this afternoon, goodbye kind of thing. But they just yeah. have their claws in you and that you will never like want to leave them. And then the moment yes. you do, 
that's when they spiral out of control in their heads to go, I've done everything possible to fuck her up in her head and manipulate her. Yeah. And then they start spiraling because they've lost control. So I've lost control, yeah. Tell us about once he got back and all that sort of stuff, how yeah. he lost control because I know he would have. <laughs> so he got back that night and I was at my parents' house, but he said to me, can you come over when I get home? Um, just so we can talk things out and organise our bills. And, like, he was really calm and cool, like, kind of accepting the fact that I'd gone. And I was like, okay, and because we had two dogs together, he's like, I want to see the dogs and blah, 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 and we can organise an arrangement for that. So I was like, yeah, no worries. He seems pretty calm, cool and collected. Yeah, famous last words. I went over there and I walked in the house and he just went ballistic, um, smashing things and yeah, laying into me and whatever else and um, he was crying and screaming and I just said to him, I've had two weeks to reflect on it and I'm not coming back. And then he started the whole I'm going to kill myself, which always gets me and it's like emotion. Yeah, it's emotional blackmail because he knows that I lost one of my closest friends to suicide a few years before and so he knows that no matter when he said that he was going to commit suicide, I would do anything to stop it because I just don't want that to happen so then I freaked out and I ended up just leaving because I'm like I can't stay here because I won't leave then so I left and on the way home I rang all his family and friends and said just let you know I've left but he's um threatening to commit suicide um can you please check in on him because it's not up to me anymore like I need to hand the reins back to you guys and you need to help me out and stuff, um, which most of them were okay about. Um, I left the dogs with him um, for the night and when I got home, he texted me and said, can you please come pick up the dogs at this time in the morning? And I was like, I know something's up. And um, I was like, no worries, and I still had a key to the house and, um, I went back there at 7 o'clock in the morning or whatever, opened the garage, the dogs ran out and jumped in my car and I thought I probably should just check on him, like just see what happens. And I walked into our bedroom and he had attempted. He was still, um, he, was st he was unconscious, so I got him back to life and whatever. And I said to him, I'm going to call the ambulance because you need to be checked. And um, he put a knife to my throat and threatened to kill me. And I was like, I have literally just saved your life and now you're going to end mine. So I ended up getting out of the situation by talking him out of it. I ended up ringing his mum and said, you need to get here ASAP. She was down south. I said, you need to get here ASAP. This is what's happened and I can't do it anymore. Like, it's just too much for me. And she said, oh, sorry, Dale, can't get that for a couple of days. This one's on you. And I was like, you absolute bitch and I just went no nah, I've rang her now I'm I just can't do it like it that just seeing his body and what what I walked into was just horrific like I struggled with that for a long time afterwards and from that day I'm just like I just can't do it anymore like yeah and so I handed the reins back to his family and friends and he's still alive so um it can't have been that bad but yeah and um yeah it just he was rocking up at my house um going ballistic at my family we ended up having to get cctv around the house um 
he would come and get the dogs or whatever or drop them off, but he would want to talk to someone and then he would just abuse you. And um, he followed my brother and his girlfriend at the time to my little brother's football game and tried fighting him in the car park um, and then was punching all these cars and I ended up leaving. My dad called and said, he just wants to talk to you. Can you just come back and talk to him? I went there. Um, I was sitting in my car with my window cracked just a little bit. My dad was standing at the bonnet and my ex got out. He had a pocket knife and started stabbing in, into his car. Um, like dad left and I said, I've already called the police. Like you need to calm down because they're on their way. And he started crying um, and carrying on. I said, you have one chance to leave right now and leave me alone and I'll tell them like I'll decoy the police and so he left and he made me be on the phone to him while I told the police that nothing happened um and just yeah just so much shit and it just didn't stop like he would ring me abuse me all the time like when I got the DVO out on him that was just the worst thing in the world and like yeah it just it just didn't stop for about six months afterwards. He would ring me every day, abuse me, go to my work, like just do drive-bys and, yeah, it was horrid. And I know so many other women have gone through the same thing, like that stalking type thing, um, that intimidation as well to go, I know yeah. your routines and your family and friends, like I could hurt you kind of thing. And yeah. So one of the biggest tips and advice that I would have for people listening is block them off everything, like everything, social yeah. media, phones, everything, so they can't do that and you have that, I guess you feel safe as well, like you're not being yeah. defeated with all of that. I did that straight away. I was like, nah, you are gone, adios kind of thing. Uh, but so many women don't right. and that would be my number one thing. Do that let loved ones know that you have done that so if they start going a little bit psycho that way yeah. um so they're aware as well that you're trying to protect yeah. yourself from them yeah do you that's what i did i do you wish that you blocked him off everything well i pretty well did um yeah. so i blocked him um yeah over like the phone and everything um he started emailing me and with your emails, you kind of, um, I think there's something, I couldn't really block him and we were kind of still half in contact with the dogs, but I had blocked him off everything. He was still ringing me on a no-caller ID because even though you block them, yeah. you can still um, get through. Um, my advice is yes to block them and change your ringtones on everything because I struggle with that so much that when I would get a text message or a phone call, I'd go into a massive panic thinking that it was him. Yeah. So, like, those ringtones now are associated to him and I can't stand hearing them. So those things, but if you do have a DVO and everything, just remember to record everything. So if you do answer these phone calls, have someone there recording it the best thing about the email was it come directly from his email. So it, I could prove to the police that it was definitely him. So I kind of let those things happen um, just so I could prove to the police. Like I would never reply to him, but he would just send multiple emails a day going off his tips about things. And um, eventually it stopped. Um, I think... He breached the DVO 11 times. He was already on a suspended sentence before I got the DVO, so I didn't want... I, I um, tried 
to avoid getting in DVO for so long because I thought that if I got the DVO, it would send him to jail, considering that he was on a suspended sentence for other charges. And then I spoke to a police and she said, uh, DVO is just a piece of paper. He'll only get sent, like, charged with things if he breaches that. So I was like, perfect, I'll get the DVO. If he breaches that, then that's on him. Like, yeah. he knows now that if he stops contacting me, stops abusing me, he won't get charged with these things. Simple. But he breached it 11 times and he got a slap on the wrist, so it still didn't send him to jail. Um, so, yeah, um, I think the last time that he went to court for it, he I don't really know the outcome of it, but I think it must have been like if you do this again, it's time you'll go and I haven't heard from him since which is really nice yeah um but yeah it's kind of a bit eerie though because it was just like a sudden stop of no contact and then I'm like is he just gonna pop up behind me somewhere like it's like the silent killer like I'm still like always looking over my shoulder and just waiting and if I ever get a no call ID I'm like oh I think that's him like yeah it's just I think it's really worse <laughs> Um, sometimes when you don't have any contact because I'm like, I don't know what you're planning. Like, yeah, it's but I'm annoying. slowly learning. Yeah. Yeah, I'm slowly I'm, learning that I'm safe. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's one of the, it takes time. Like it's taken me years to even like pick up a private number. Like I don't yes. do that out of that sort of fear. So that's just something. So yeah. if someone tries to call me, I'm like if it's really important, they will text me because I refuse to pick up private numbers. Yeah. Like it terrifies I'm me. exactly the same. Yeah. Oh, so you always have those little traumas and stuff like that. But talking about yeah. like, let's say side effects, like now that you're out, yeah. what are some of the side effects that you're sort of managing right now? Because we all have them in different ways. Mm. What are some of yours? Yeah. Um, my sleeping. I struggled to sleep for so long only because... Um, during the relationship, he would he would never ever come to bed, so he would always be out playing PlayStation. He was up chasing drones outside. He was at the pokies or something. Or unfortunately, when sometimes when he did go to bed, it led to rape. So I was asleep, and he would do what he did, and then I would wake up and realize what had happened. So um, along, I stopped sleeping for so long because I wanted to be in control of that happening. Um, so that's been a massive thing, getting into meditation, getting into a few little things, um, like having incense and stuff in my room to help me sleep and realizing that I'm safe in my home with my family and making sure the doors are locked. So I know that I'm safe in my room. Um, definitely memory loss. I struggle so badly, even pre, um, relationship, I have, a lot of memory loss from my childhood and my high school days and because I got with him just after pretty well just after high school yeah I don't really remember much of it which is kind of sad but I don't know if it was on your podcast that I might have heard that um it's because you're protecting yeah. those memories from him like those things you don't want him to take yeah. that away from you as well so you block it out um, so that is massive. And even during the relationship, like I struggle so hard remembering things that happen. Like obviously you really traumatic stuff. Yeah. Um, I do um, in bits and pieces, 
like my brain kind of has now learnt to protect me from that too. So I don't really see too much of it. I struggle with a bit of PTSD, um, like different smells, um, touch, like if someone touches me in a certain way, um, people's voices and laughs, if they're similar to his, I don't, I struggle with that. Um, yeah, a bit of PTSD from that. Um, I have struggled with anxiety ever since, um, but I'm, I've managed that, which is nice. Um, bit of depression that happens every once in a while it comes and goes which I'm very lucky because I can control that as well sometimes um but yeah just mainly yeah the PTSD and the memory loss and it's just working with my psychologist now to try and manage that and ways of getting out of it instead of getting caught in that rut of it like and letting it consume you like letting making you know yes I'm feeling this way it's okay to feel this way and then trying to learn how to get out of that and be like I'm safe I'm okay and yeah so we're getting through that and I'm getting a lot better with it and the biggest highlight out of all that to people listening is all of these side effects were mostly done by their mental and emotional abuse like most definitely that's that's what people forget is how much of an impact it has afterwards like you've been out was it two years and I've been out four years yeah and we're still suffering with that sort of stuff like the memory loss is a thing and I have I think I've got a new podcast coming out shortly about it and I've basically just said I don't want to uncover the trauma or uh, the memories because one of the pieces I have picked up was the sexual abuse they're being asleep and then all of a sudden they're trying to do that and then you sit there going this is why my brain's blocked it out because you don't want to recover all that sort of stuff and then it impacts you even more in the sense now that I'm like I don't want to date because now I've recovered that I know what he's done to me and now you just feel like that like sorry man I love you but I'll hate you at the same time like that get away from me like so exactly someone like you and me have memory loss don't have someone force you to recover it because that could do more damage to you like you have to find the balance between if you really need to or you don't and I'm reading a book at the moment one of Tony Robbins ones like again because I love to read books all over and he said (laughs) the same thing he's like stop psychologists need to stop trying to make you go down there and recover it because then once yep. you've got it, sometimes you can't deal with it. So then you just fucked yourself no. up even more. So maybe just accept that it's gone, it's there, and it's a blessing in disguise potentially as well. Oh, definitely. Yeah, that's exactly right. Another thing that I wanted to um, talk to you about is the healing after it and finding, I guess, your worth again, because that's the biggest thing I hear from people after domestic violence is, you trying to put yourself back together again and be confident and be happy and then remember that yeah. you need to have self-worth. You're like, oh, fuck, and then self-respect. Like there's all <laughs> these things you got to relearn and stuff. Yeah. So how has your journey been with that and what's been the biggest thing that's helped you? Yeah, so it's been an absolute roller coaster. <laughs> um, so pretty well straight afterwards I was an absolute wreck. Um, I was 
just very angry and I was um, and obviously very on edge. Um, so any little thing would trigger me and I would just go crazy. Um, and I was just lucky that I have an amazing family and I live with them. So um, no matter what. Um, Quick empowerment break. As a DV survivor to Thriver, I have a new free ebook available to you all to help you with healing and escaping domestic violence and giving you the tips and tools on how I've used my domestic violence experience to fire in my belly instead of letting it control me or destroy me. So grab your free copy today at www.empowerwithash.com slash freebies. Now let's get back to the podcast episode. They would kind of just, they realised that it wasn't normal, but they kind of just let me go a bit and understood that what I was going through was tough and um, they just tried to help me a lot with it all. Um, I turned to alcohol a fair bit, so I never used to drink. Even um, before the relationship, I wasn't really a big drinker. I wasn't during the relationship, but afterwards I turned to alcohol a lot um, because it helped me numb what was going on inside my head. And also I've now learned only in the last couple of months that um, it kind of gets you back on that high, that adrenaline that you were in in that relationship. When, I'm, when I was sober at home, I was calm and normal, but that's not, that wasn't my normal. Um, so being relaxed and safe and not having to walk on eggshells wasn't my normal so I would drink to try and um, get back onto that high and get back that adrenaline and that unsafeness and back on walking on eggshells and stuff just to feel what I used to feel because that was my normal Um, I wasn't yeah so I struggled with that a bit I was more just a binge drinker like I wouldn't wake up at eight o'clock in the morning and have a beer or whatever but I was just a binge drinker if I had one beer I had to have 15 beers and um, so, and to be honest, I probably still struggle with it a little bit. I've worked um, over the last couple of years. I, I, I accepted that that was happening and realised that. But sometimes um, when I have, I go through stages that one night I might just binge drink really badly. And it's normally just on my own at home. Like it's not like I go out or anything, but I'll binge drink really badly at home and then I wake up in the morning and realise that I've done it and then don't do it again for a long time. So I, I am trying to process that and um, trying to learn that it's not normal, but sometimes I still do it. <laughs> um, and I think afterwards now um, learning um that I am safe I think for a long time like he's moved away now so he lives a fair few away from me but I'm trying to realize that I am actually safe I have a great family I have great friends and everything but if I picked up the phone and said I'm unsafe right now everyone would be there so just trying to rewire my brain to realize that I am safe and I have a good support crew and blah 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 so yeah I think the healing has been a wild ro- roller coaster, but um, I'm definitely getting better. I first seen uh, afterwards. I was so um, trying to be headstrong and trying to be so personally strong that I was like, I don't need anyone to help me. I'm not going to see a 
psychologist, do it on my own. Like I've survived this. I can survive anything on my own now. And I avoided seeing one for so long. Um, I think it wasn't until probably a year afterwards that I realised that I wasn't that strong and I realised that I really need professional help because I realised what I'd actually gone through. Um, so I went and seen a psychologist. She was okay. Um, I wouldn't say she's, she was the best, but she um, just kind of turned to me and said, oh, you need to exercise and eat help, good food. And I'm like, well, I am eating good food. I don't exercise much, but I don't really need like that wasn't it just kind of made me more angry when I was being told that stuff so I stopped seeing oh it kind of got to a stage I'll bullshit into her and saying that I was getting better and I kind of had convinced myself that I'd gotten better because I'd just seen a psychologist and so after that I realized that I wasn't better I wasn't even close to being better um so I was on the hunt for a new one and it wasn't until this year that I've actually found a new one and she's absolutely amazing and I know that she's listening so thank you so much um, yeah so she's absolutely amazing we just click um she's helped me through so much so um yeah it's it's just been brilliant and I recommend to anyone to find a good psychologist you know you're not going to get them straight away you've got to wean through them but just find one sometimes I just go there it's just nice to have a chat um just to explain what's going on in the week yeah it's just yeah 100% would recommend even if you don't haven't been through anything go and see one it's just nice to have someone to talk to so yeah I'm 100% getting better and I just feel happier in myself like changing jobs um getting new workmates not that my old workmates were bad, but it was just bringing back the mm-hmm. old memories um, when I was with him. Um, so getting a new job, new workmates and just a new environment has helped so much and I'm just feeling so much more happier and fine, feeling like um, I felt like I was a shell of the person when I left and now I'm slowly putting those pu- pieces of the puzzle back together. I'm feeling a bit more whole now. And I know that it's like three years later and, people's healing journeys can take up to whatever like not not everyone's healing journey is going to be the same or whatever so um I'm just very I understand that and try not to beat myself up too much about it but um I know that I've got a hell of a lot more to go but I'm pretty happy where I am at the moment oh my gosh I am so proud of you. <laughs> all of that and your psychologist will be listening oh my god girl yeah. we need to get your psychologist on here so I can ask her yeah everyone because it's yeah. very hit and miss with people when it comes to psychologists Evie they got yeah. 50% they go it actually makes me angrier because it, they haven't gone through this experience and sometimes they tread on eggshells because they don't want to press a button which obviously that's their job when I've had some people come to me um after their psychologist and go you you know what you've been through ash and you're going to tell me how it is like come to me when you're ready to have the facts to go bitch you got this kind of thing and snap you out of it when they're like sometimes they're too passive and they're not going to tell you the hard-hitting truths but as I said to everyone it's I've had some followers when they first come to me go, oh, my God, I'm not ready for you. And I'm like, that's fine because I'm all about taking responsibility for your situation, how you attracted that and how you're going to heal from it. And some people aren't ready to hear that I am in control of that. 
And then I've had one girl that's come back probably a year later and she's like, okay, now I'm ready. Hit me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, now we can do it. So you yeah, find definitely. your vibe and your tribe. You may need someone yep. to, like, as I said, psychologist that is going to tread carefully for you. Or you might go, you know what, I want to talk to someone like us, Sally and Ash, to go, hit me with the fucking truth. Let me relate and connect to let me know that there's someone there to make me feel like I'm not going fucking crazy and that I can get through this and become a better person whole again, as you said. So I'm very proud of it. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's what helped me a lot afterwards was I was – um, YouTubing a lot of people's stories and I found your podcast and stuff and it made me feel half normal because I'm like, okay, I'm not crazy for feeling this way. I'm not crazy for thinking this way. And um, for the things that happened to me, I'm like, wow, someone else has actually gone through this as well. And it just, I think that's why I'm so openly talk about it. Like I definitely don't do it for sympathy. I don't need people to feel sorry for me, but um, it's just more like then they feel confident to talk to me about their experience or their friend's experience. And I know there was another lady that will be listening and her daughter has gone through a similar experience and she didn't know that I'd gone through it and had kind of started talking to her me about it and then eventually I told her that I'd been through a similar situation and I think it's she now feels comfortable to ask me questions and um, understand that it's normal for her daughter to be acting like this or um, feeling this way and I kind of can give her two steps forward of what's going to happen next like um, yes, she might be going through a rough time at the moment, but it's going to get better in the next couple of weeks and then she'll probably fall down again. Like just um, making people understand it from like a really raw perspective. Like instead of you look at, um, you might ring someone or talk to someone that has never been through it and they don't understand the actual raw, yeah. um, like the truth. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and some people just need to hear the truth. So. And that's why I love this podcast because when I really sat back a few weeks ago to go, what is this podcast doing for people? And I said, there's really three things. It's one, giving you guys the knowledge or education around these sort of topics and stories and stuff. Number two is giving you more self-awareness to your situations, who you are, your feelings, thoughts and everything to get more control of yourself and your environment, your lives. And then the third thing is to help you make a better choice for you. And, you know, everyone says, take action, take action, 100%. But it comes from making little daily choices for you. And we will all, and then it will turn into massive action, if that makes sense. But just a good choice every day will get you you rolling down the hill. And that's what I love about your story. It's doing all that. It's gone through that whole experience of your self-awareness now. You're making better choices for yourself and you're also educating others with that. So I absolutely love your story, even though it breaks my heart that you've been through it. But yeah, yeah. You connect with so many other survivors on here and you have little yeah. things for life. You can bounce off each other. And I have a lot That's of other exactly survivors that. that message me all the time. I go, okay, bitch, I think I'm going crazy. I, this has just happened. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, let's work okay. through this together. <laughs> That's right. And I always see my experience as a massive blessing in disguise because I, um, I always I, – a very good friend of mine once told me when she went through a really hard time that she always takes a positive out of everything. And um, so I wait, when I 
ended that relationship, I was really angry and whatever. And I stood back, I'm like, okay, what's the positives? And I was like, well, I'll know that I'll never accept that again. Um, I know the signs, the red flags, blah, blah, blah. And I'm now being able to educate other people to hopefully stop someone else from going through it or ending um, up in a relationship like that and going through what I went through. So I know that I'm strong enough to do that and I just found those positives and whenever I'm feeling down or, or really angry and upset about it, I go back to those positives and go, okay, this is why I went through this. It, it happened for a reason and I know that now I'm safe and I'm okay and I'm alive. I need to not dwell on the shit parts of it and realise what good things come out of it in a weird way. Yeah. <laughs> There's all these yeah. big life lessons from it. And as I say to people, this, as much as it's bad, it happens for you. It doesn't happen to you because then yeah. once yeah. you add that victim mode, you can actually step back and go, you know what, if it's happened for me, I can actually take, take control of how I respond to it and how I grow and heal from it. And that's been one of the biggest lessons I've learned that's from exactly domestic right. violence, isn't it? It's I'm responsible for my own healing. I'm responsible for the the role I played in that relationship, like protecting them and stuff and attracting that person into yeah. my life. I've got to take your responsibility for that. And I'm That's going right. to take responsibility for what this means to me, like what it does for me. And once you start doing that, you're like, holy shit. Like if I can get through this and heal and forgive myself and go through all that and still be successful and happy, that's your best karma yeah. and revenge right there to know that they never broke you. You rebuilt yourself. That's exactly so right. That yeah. is it right there. That's your mic drop. How amazing. Yes. <laughs> so How we've good. been talking for like ever and a half and I'm pretty sure next yeah. time in Townsville we need to like catch up or Rocky for that oh, Yes, please. Have a, yeah. have a drink or so. Love, always love a cocktail. But I have my final five questions for you. Are you ready for them? Okay. <laughs> You're yeah, like, oh, God, look how nervous she is, guys. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, so my final five, it's just really quick responses and stuff like that for yeah. you. But what are you doing to empower yourself right now? Right now, I am one of my big things is wearing nice clothes, putting on makeup and doing my hair. Because I went through a stage where I was wearing shit clothes, my comfortable clothes, and not doing stuff to make me feel good. So that's what I'm doing at the moment. Love that. And that's why I wear red lipstick all the time. And for yeah. those that are not looking at this video, because it will be loaded up, her eyebrows are on fleek, okay? So <laughs> there you go. She's treated herself to lovely eyebrows as well. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> Next question for you is which empowering sort of personal celebrity, dead or alive, that you would love to have dinner with and pick their brain? Oh, that's a hard, hard question. One. Yeah. Um, I could say some weird ones, but um, I honestly probably Tina Turner, <laughs> um, the musician. Yeah, so Tina Turner went through a domestic violence relationship with her previous husband and because she's an amazing musician as it is, I think she would be awesome to go to dinner with. I love that. You don't yeah. even want to know all the weird ones I would have, so there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on the same page. My yeah. next question for you, what is one piece of advice that you could give yourself from who you are today to the girl that had to go back through all that? Yep. Um, understand that you are the strong person that you always knew you were 
and hold that. Don't let anyone take that away from you because, yeah, you deserve so much more than that and just stay strong. Love it. Next question, number four, what's the best and worst advice you have ever received? (laughs) Um, So my best advice is always take a positive out of everything. My worst advice is um, (laughs) it's probably not the worst, but um, in a psychologist point of view to eat well and exercise <laughs> that is really bad advice. Like, yeah. that's, that's great yeah. don't tell someone yeah. that's coming in there for a fucking trauma yeah. <laughs> that's right you yeah. should be right mate that's what she should have said yeah you'll be right yeah. and the last question <laughs> is what is your empowering life mantra that you live by um probably just to stay strong be happy and healthy um and just live day by day, like really um, take every step and understand, like sit back and take everything in and be so grateful for the life you live and be grateful for the life, the people around you and all your friends and family. Like just understand that no matter what you go through, they're always going to be there and just be present in every moment. Love that piece of advice. Yeah. And before we wrap this up, I always allow my guests to ask me any questions that they may have since I have just talked at you <laughs> for the last bloody 40 minutes. <laughs> Do you have any questions um, for me? Yes. What's your um, mantra at the moment? What what positive things and stuff that you like? Oh, that's a really good one. At the moment, it's really if you change your mind, you change your life. So it's me really focusing on once you change your inner world, everything around you sort of changes. So that's been my biggest thing at the moment. If you want to change, Ashley, look within, deal with that shit, and then everything will change. Your perspective will change. Change Yeah, that's awesome. I love that too. Any other questions? That's an easy one. No. Yeah, I know. Nice. I don't know. You didn't prepare me with this one. I don't know. (laughs) well there you go she was absolutely nice i've had some big hard hitting ones i love that you're being nice so that is a wrap up i honestly just want to say thank you so much for coming on here sharing your story and really helping i guess yourself as part of this process to heal and grow and for other people that are listening to do the same so i just want to say thank you so much sally for sharing your story with us today Thanks so much, Ash, for giving me the opportunity to do so. And thanks for having this podcast. I know it's helped me a lot and I'm sure it helps everyone else. So, yeah, amazing. Thanks so much. Makes me happy. That's a wrap up of this week's podcast episode. I need you to do three things right now to help yourself thrive and others to thrive as well. Number one, I want to make sure that you're following me on Instagram at either Empower with Ash or Survivor to Thrive a Podcast. And make sure you turn on your notifications so you don't miss any content or other podcasts. Number two, I need you to review and share comments and rate on Apple Podcasts if you like this episode and if this is empowering you, because this will put me high up in the ranks to help other people thrive as well. Number three, share this podcast episode on your social media, tag me in it, so then you can teach others and show others how you are thriving in life as well. And you never know, you might be saving someone else's life and helping them with their own personal development journey. 
And lastly, if you would like to share your story on my podcast or be a guest blogger, contact me at admin at empower-.com or book in a time now to share your story at www.empower-.com. Thank you so much for listening and let's start thriving.